This is a Dreamcast disc and is for use only on a Dreamcast unit. Playing this disc on a hi-fi or other audio equipment can cause serious damage to its speakers. Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Why don't we play together? Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go! Please stop this disc now. Now, 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 now. Hello, you lovely people, and thank you for tuning in once again to the Dreamcast Junkyard DreamPod. This is episode... Mike, what episode is it? I don't know, Tom. I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's 57. 58? It's one of them, one of them. It's either 58 yeah. or 57. Uh, yep. But yeah, welcome uh, and thank you for joining us on this uh, very, uh, very cold March evening. My name is Tom and I'm joined, as you just heard, by my co-host, Mike. How the devil are you, Mike? I'm not too bad, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm in the middle of moving, as are you, I believe. Uh, we Indeed we are, yes. We are the travelling Dreamcast junkyard this week. Yeah, yeah. I've got well, most of my Dreamcast collection is in boxes in a spare room in the new house. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sat here in a slightly echoey old house, surrounded by literally nothing. So uh, apologies if you can hear me echoing around this room, but it's just, uh, just me in here at the moment, which mm. is... Quite depressing. But, uh, <laughs> what about you, Mike? How's your move gone? It's it's all right. I, I've managed to get all my Dreamcast stuff into the room. It's a very small room, and mm. it's a bit squashed. But um, that's probably my fault for having too much stuff. Yes, I have seen your Dreamcast collection firsthand, and it is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you own every game yet? I, I've got about 30 to go. I, I, only, I only have a big collection to piss off Ross. <laughs> it's the only reason I have a collection for I don't know if you've seen, um, do you know Sega Nerds? I do. Obviously. Um, Chris, the guy who yeah. runs Sega Nerds, he's uh, on this quest at the moment to get every um, American game. So yeah. have, you, have you got any tips for uh, for Chris on, you know? Um, the collecting is part of the fun. Take take your time. Be patient. Yeah. That's what I think. Get multiple copies of Spirit of Speed. Well, of course. I've got at least 12 just to, to <laughs> give out to random people on the street. <laughs> Right, let's uh, begin as we always do. Let's talk a little bit about what we've picked up and played in the uh, gulf of time since our last Dream Pod, which is a couple of weeks ago now. Mm. Um, I'm going to let you go first, Mike. Uh, what have okay. you picked up and played on the Dreamcast or otherwise? I have a feeling this might be quite a short segment this time because I think really? both of us have had other things going on. Um, I have, in terms of Dreamcast, I'm, I am on my uh, still collecting the, the games. So this week I've picked up uh, three more games off the list. I've picked up Missing Parts Volume 2, which is a sort of a, a murder mystery um, novel. Um, I've already played Volume 1, um, and I have sneakily played Volume 2 uh, using a, a, a copy from the internet. Mm. Um, but I've got the actual version itself. It cost me like £10, I think it cost me. Yeah. Um, Operation Sanctuary, which is another visual novel. Um, and I also picked up a trial edition of Gundam Battle Online. Um, one oh, of the guys right. I buy games off of, Alan McCluskey, who uh, yeah, yeah, is a fantastic yeah. uh, seller. Um, he, he had this fantastic little trial edition. I'm, I'm sort of getting into the trial editions and demo discs and buying little bits because I'm, I'm nearly at the end of the collection now. So, so is uh, the trial edition quite... Quite uncommon, then, is it? Or? Uh, from from what I gather, um, it's it's a demo. Yeah. From what I can tell, um, there's a few. Japanese had a lot of, of, of trial editions come out. Um, one of the best guys to talk about this ever is uh, is Dreamcast Collector, 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a fantastic, very knowledgeable guy. And um, he has tons and tons of them. Um, but I've got about five now. Um, haven't actually played any of them because I'm still trying to go through uh, games to play, which, I, which very neatly segues on to my next bit, which is uh, what I've been playing. Mm. Uh, on the Dreamcast, I've been playing, trying to fit my stuff into the room. Uh, <laughs> that puzzle so, game, that popular puzzle game. It's a popular puzzle game. Um, better than some puzzle games on the Dreamcast, actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I've I've not really been playing a huge amount on Dreamcast. I played a little bit of Le Mans um, because what other game would you play if you wanted to stress out, uh, you know, de-stress after yeah. a move? Um, so yeah, on Dreamcast, only really that. But on the on the modern platforms, I have been playing a bit of Gravel. Oh yeah, well, so what is that like? I mean, I've heard so, mixed things about this. Gravel is is. It's a rally it's, game, it's isn't a, it? It's a, it is. It's a, it's about it's from Milestone, which mm-hmm. is uh, the same cut guys who made uh, Ride Two, which I know you were talking about a few weeks ago on the podcast. Oh yeah, it's a good game. Um, they also made uh, the WRC series, and they stopped doing the WRC series now. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they also do SBK as well. Yes. Um, and it is it's you know. As the name suggests, it is a slightly cheap version of Dirt. Mm. Um, but actually... Oh, I, ne- I never even considered that. I never even put the two together. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, I presume that's what they've picked the title Gravel for. Mm. Um, I'm, w- I'm waiting for the next release, Snow, and the next release, Desert. But, uh, <laughs> um, it's, 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 quite, actually, it's actually quite good fun. It's, it's, it uses the Unreal 4 engine, so the graphics are really quite cool. Yeah. Um, but it has that sort of slightly budget publisher feel to it mm. um but it plays a lot like what i imagine um a sort of a, a rally game on a sega console would play like now yeah. um it plays a lot like sega rally uh revo i believe that's the american title but the, the game that came out in 2009 oh the one on the, the 360 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is a fantastic game mm-hmm. um, although funnily enough the psp version was better but that's another another subject matter i kind of I um, agree with you on that to be honest I love yeah the PSP yeah version. it's brilliant i yeah. think we've i think we've spoken about the psp version on there before and our, our collective love of rally games mm. gets into the podcast quite a lot. Um, but it's a good game. It's, it's, a, it's a decent game. Um, I'm actually quite pleased with it. It's good fun. It's difficult. I'm, I'm struggling on medium difficulty level, which is not my usual level on rally games. It, it, um, apart- it reminded me of a game that I played on the, I think it was on the original Xbox a while back, called, is it Shocks or something? Or, um, or, or, or there was another one called Race of Champions or something. I've played that many rally games in, in my time, as I I'm think, sure you have. Yeah, I think Shock, wasn't Shocks the sort of SSX type EA rally game where Sounds they sort of tried to make a. Yeah, yeah I, I, I sort of I can't, don't remember much about the Xbox uh, rally games apart oh. from Rally Sport Challenge Two because it was so amazing. Rally, I think it was called Rally Masters. Rally Masters, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But there's, um, I, I sort of I, I tend up playing lots of rally games because it's. Just good fun. But I also picked up Burnout Paradise, uh, the remaster Ooh, yes, on yeah. Xbox One, um, which does look good. But because I haven't got a 4K TV, I think I've possibly lost a little bit in the in the reason to have it. Since I have the original already, and it's backwards compatible, oh, right. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what I bought it for. But it's good fun. Um, and apart from that, I haven't even got my Switch out of the box yet, so it's sort of sitting on the floor waiting for me to play Bayonetta again. Yeah, interesting. Cool, yeah, good selection there, mate. Very uh, rally, yeah. rally heavy. Um, interestingly, also rally heavy on my part as well. Um, on the Dreamcast, I've mainly been playing uh, well three different games. I played uh, quite a lot of V Rally Two because mm. I uh, recently wrote a kind of retrospective on it yep. on the on the main blog. Uh, I've also been playing Tech Romancer. 
Oh. Uh, yeah, that's another one. I, which I, I do quite like. It. I, it's not the best fighting game on the Dreamcast by no. a long way, but it's quite interesting. You know, the characters and the, the amount of replay value in the story, how like big the career mode, I say career mode, main yeah, sort of campaign yeah. is like yeah, yeah. huge. And it gives me these like really... Um, it really reminds me of like a, a manga version or an anime version of Pacific Rim, of all the different yeah. pilots and stuff. It's really cool, all the neon lights and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a good, it's a really colourful, enjoyable sort of Saturday morning cartoon TV type of game. I <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, pick up wise, I have only picked up one game recently, and when you find out what it is, you'll probably understand why. Uh, it's Illbleed. Ah. Uh, the American version of Illbleed. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I played it before, but as you said earlier, not an official version, but this one popped up really cheap on an online store that I frequent every now and then. And uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, going to have that because even though mm-hmm. I've got a CDR version, I want the, uh, the proper boxed box copy. And yeah, it's quite a strange game, Illbleed. Are you uh, familiar? I, I am. I've I'm uh, I've got the Japanese, Taiwanese, and American versions. Taiwanese, wow. Taiwanese, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I'm fully worldwide, Tom. Um, <laughs> I love I love Yeah, I love Illbleed. Uh, is um, Illbleed's one of the few games I can get my girl, my my girlfriend. Oh my, I said girlfriend. That's going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> my wife. One of the few yes. games I get my wife to play. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a girlfriend as well as a wife, by the way. In case anyone's wondering, not him saying that. Um, <laughs> God's sake, that injury. So, um, I, one of the few games we can sort of play on Halloween, um, we always end up watching some kind of anthology film and we always end up playing Ill Bleed because it's just a really fun B-movie game. Weird game. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I read an article and I can't for the life of me now remember what the website was, but it was basically um, like a retrospective on Blue Stinger, which was the first game in the sort of the series, and then mm-hmm. Ill Bleed, and the way that this guy who'd written the article... Um, Went back to speak to the, the the director of the game, but they found out that he'd since died. And it was just, it, yes, he had a really kind of like poignant ending to it to the mm. article. Um, I'll try and find it and put a link maybe in the uh, description to the, the the podcast. But it's well worth reading if you're interested in like Ill Bleed or Blue Stinger and the weirdness that those that those games contain. It is a weird. They are weird games, aren't they? They're, they sort of. It's just even the way they play. It just feels like it's it's. I don't know. It's they're odd, odd games, but really mm. enjoyable. They're a kind of oddness that you don't really get these days, aren't they? No, yeah, mm. it's they're of their time, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, on current gen uh, consoles, I've been playing on my Switch. You've already mentioned it, but I did take the plunge and buy Bayonetta, yep. um, Bayonetta two, and the uh, got the little download code. Um, gotta be honest, I I put Bayonetta two in first, tried to play it. I had no idea what I was doing. So then I went back and started Bayonetta 1, got a little bit of, uh, got a bit clued up on the story and how to actually play the game. And I'm still stuck on the second stage. You know, where you're on that top of that plane, yeah. it just flies into a building, you've got to do three special attacks. Can't yeah. do it, mate, I'm crap. <laughs> Cannot do it. I, I must have tried it now about 20 times. The other day I wanted to launch my Switch at the wall. I was like, <laughs> this is not the kind of game to uh, to put on a portable system when <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a short, yeah, short term. <laughs> That's another weird game, actually. In fact, it's probably the closest I can I can think of a game like Ill Bleed in the modern gen. It's like yeah. it's 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 a weird sort of the nothing really seems to fit in your mind when you play it. So it's a very weird game, but it's it looks amazing. Yeah, the, the dialogue is really strange as well, isn't it? And yeah, the the, the cutscenes and like what is what is happening? What is happening in this game? I've no idea who are these characters. You're not you're not really introduced to them, who they are, and what 
Do you know what I mean? So it's just really bizarre. Um, it's, it's like it's like House of the Dead Overkill that when they they redid when they did that on the on the Wii yeah. and they did um they did all the dialogue and it was sort of like they tried to do adult dialogue so it sounded like Quentin Tarantino but with the same voice actors who did House of the Dead two on the Dreamcast and so it was like really poor acting but sort of I know the action in Bayonet is better but it's like it doesn't doesn't match it's janky it isn't it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so apart from Bayonetta on the um current gen systems i've mainly been playing uh, the usual pro evolution soccer dirt mm-hmm. four um, i did pick up um or rather i did download bloodborne because it was part of the ps plus um, offering yep. this month and i've tried i've tried mate i just can't get into it i just no. can't stand the difficulty level and the constant dying and getting sent back to the uh, checkpoint and Losing all your blood echoes and just getting caught in like cheap attacks by enemies when you're mid animation. It's just, it does, it looks amazing. The aesthetic yeah. is unbelievable. It's right up my alley. I love that kind of gothic. Um, the city of Yarnum is just looks amazing. I'd, I'd love to just go there. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, there's like rabid wolves and stuff walking about, but just to look at it, just, it looks unbelievable. It's like, Man- it's like Manchester on a weekend, isn't it? <laughs> do you know what? There's, there are certain parts of Manchester that do look like Yarnum. And <laughs> there are parts, um, there's one building called the uh, the John Rylands Library, and there's another, um, the, the, the University of Manchester, the old the old building, mm-hmm. is very kind of gothic in architecture yeah. style, and it, it would fit right into Yarnum. Even the town hall in Manchester looks like it would come straight out of Yarnum. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's why it appeals to me so much. I don't know. <laughs> Reminds me of home. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are that's pretty much what I've been playing on the uh, on the current gen Switch and uh, PS4 mainly. Um, I also picked up an interesting piece of hardware for the Dreamcast. Something that I kind of mentioned in passing in one of my like articles from ages ago. Remember when the the Dreamcon first came out, the wireless um, controller for the Dreamcast, yeah, made by our good friend uh, Chris over in Greece. Um, when I was when I was first made aware of that peripheral, I, I did a little bit of research into wireless controllers for the Dreamcast. Because I thought, well, I'm sure I've heard of other wireless controllers for the Dreamcast before the Dreamcon came out. And lo and behold, there was there was this uh, infrared controller released by a company called Docs, the yep. DOCS. And um, when I was trying to find images of them online to like put into the article, I, I found it very quite difficult to get any like good high quality images because there just weren't any. There were a few forum posts about these controllers and a few like blurry pictures on Google Image Search. But um, as far as high-quality pictures and, and data about these controllers went, it was pretty scant. So I was on eBay a couple of weeks ago, and I just happened to notice that in the uh, collectibles section, um, somebody had listed four docks controllers with a, um, a base unit. And so I was like, hmm, interesting. He wanted £80 for them, buy it now. But I sent him an email and said, would you accept 60? Uh, and he was like, you do realise that these don't work properly and you probably won't actually get any enjoyment out of them. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've run a website called the Dreamcast Junkyard and I'd like to like review them just for posterity. And he was like, oh yeah, of course, I know the Dreamcast Junkyard. I'll let you have them for <laughs> the price, the asking price that you, you asked. He doesn't sound like a natural seller, does he? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't drive a hard bargain. But uh, yeah, I was quite, um, quite you know, thankful to him for like yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for that price and um the the weird thing is that even though there's four controllers there's only one base unit and each base unit can only take two inputs so Hi. i've got two that i don't like need so if anyone's got a, a base unit knocking about and they want two extra controllers <laughs> let me know um but yeah these things are quite again 
a product of their time. They are based on infrared technology. So they, you have to have like a line of sight between the base unit and the actual like resist, like a transceiver yeah, yeah. on top of the controller. Yeah. Um, once you've got a connection, they do work quite well. Uh, not as good as the Dreamcon. And I'd be quite interested to see. I'd be quite interested to see how the new retro bit ones kind of measure up as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. But for the time, you know, I think they were released around ninety nine, two thousand. I can't find any specific dates that they were released uh, on because the company that made them docks is a subsidiary of a company called Arista, which right. do still exist. But if you go on the Arista website, there's no mention of docks, the brand, or anything. They just do like Ethernet cables now and HDMI cables. So. It's quite hard to find any concrete information or evidence of when they were actually released. But I'm guessing around 1990,000 just because that's when the Dreamcast was around. Um, but yeah, like I say, if you break the line of sight, then the input stops and then you have to wait for it to reconnect again. So if you're in the middle of a game and you like move away, um, then your input just breaks, breaks down. There's, there, is, there is a whole generation of people listening to this who have no idea that that's what wireless used to mean. Yeah, infrared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember having wireless. I had wireless controllers for my um, mass system. Really? Yeah, oh. and uh, they were awful. Yeah. Um, they never worked properly. And I had wireless headphones at one point as well. And if you just like look the wrong way, it, just, it stops working. Hmm. Very odd. It's fascinating. Looking back, I know that um, as you say, the mass system had infrared controllers. I'm, I'm pretty sure like the the snares and the nares of the the uh, the Mega Drive definitely did. I know that yeah. the Saturn also had them, and they, those ones are actually quite rare, aren't they? The Saturn ones. Um, yes. I remember that somebody had some at a, a gaming event a while back. I think it was one of the retro collect markets, probably one of the first or second ones. And um, somebody that I um, knew uh, had bought a, a, a complete set from a another seller for we're talking hundreds. Yeah. I mean, um, not that I'd pay that, but. If you're a collector and you want it, then fair enough. But yeah, exactly. infrared technology, it works okay. Interestingly, you have to put the VMU into the base unit that's connected to the Dreamcast, so they don't go into the actual controllers themselves. And the controllers also look like um, a weird mixture between the Pippin Atmark controller and the you know the weird boomerang <laughs> for the PS3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like bendy sort of silver thing. So yeah, they're quite uh, they're quite comfortable to hold. But um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend buying some to I, use because I just like the fact you managed to mention the Pippin in the Dreamcast don't go on podcast it's great <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're going for the serious collectors this time <laughs> yeah Pippin at Mark Pippin at World <laughs> what, what was that other one that, that's that really obscure console um, the fun no what's it called crap uh, it's that uh, it's like Korean or Taiwanese or something what the band the, the, um, the Bandai one no not the Palladia not Palladia um, um Oh, it's under my head in now, that. It's like based on a SNES. Oh. Oh, I think I do know. I'm going to have I to look I for this now. Someone... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to look for this now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really obscure console that was only released in like Korea or something. Um, yeah. Oh, let me... Let, just, give, give me a sec. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm just going to yeah. Google it. Google it. So- console from yeah. Korea. <laughs> this, is, this is quality listening. This is quality listening. Um, entertain yourselves, listeners. Uh, ooh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recite my entire guide from A to Z for all the listeners out there. <clears throat> Everyone ready? Okay, um, so we're going we're gonna to start with uh, Four Wheel Thunder, North American version. Four Wheel Thunder, Palver. I'm already hoping Tom gets back quite quickly. 
Uh, four wheel thunder. I'm looking. Where is it? It's not here. Four, <laughs> four, four, four by four evolution North American version. Super um, A cam. Super A cam. Super A the one. Super A cam. Super A cam. So you, you, you know, you knew it was worth waiting for. <laughs> I think I, I actually remember going to an event where someone bought one of them. I think that was the one in. There was a retro, uh, retro rewind in um, Sheffield several years ago. And I think I remember someone buying it, and um, and as I was buying lots of, of Neo Geo Pocket Color games, mm. um, I had no idea what it was then. I don't really know what it is now, to be honest. Well, I don't get about, confused in my head with the video-based one. I think there's only about sixteen games for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, and they're really, really uncommon. Right. So yeah. Anyway, um, we got back on track to wireless controllers. Uh, and speaking of wireless controllers, check that out for a segue. Uh, wireless <laughs> PS4 adapter for the Dreamcast coming from yep. Brook Accessory. Uh, Mike, I've spoken yes. for far too long now, uninterrupted. Yep. What do you think about this? Are you interested or intrigued? Yeah, in the day, it's, it's, uh, it's my favourite ever console, having a new adapter for a controller, which I find to be the work of Satan. Um <laughs> You know, my my hatred of the of the of Sony controllers uh, is is legendary. Um, I I cannot do Dual Shocks. I, I I do play Dual Shocks all the time. I've got a PS4 and an Xbox One, but I cannot stand the controller. Do you um, prefer the Do you prefer the Xbox One setup then, with the controller that the analog sticks cut slightly offset? Yeah, I think I, I played I played MSR on the Dreamcast, and ever since that moment, I can't play any games. Especially as I play mostly racing games, yeah. I can't play games without having them offset. Um, it just doesn't feel right to me. Doesn't feel yeah, because right um, on the uh, on the Xbox, the analog stick on the left is kind of up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more it, natural. It's sort of like you know, it, it's as an old PC player, it's sort of where your hands would be with the keyboard and mouse type thing. I think that's how I sort of in my head of yeah. God for it. So opposite, like mouse kind of up here and keyboard yeah. down here. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, opposite. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, for those people who don't know what we're talking about, basically this company called Brook Accessory, who make a, a range of different accessories for different consoles, have recently announced this uh, this box, like a dongle, that plugs plugs into your Dreamcast controller port, and then you can pair a PS2 controller to it by plugging it in with a USB cable. And then once it's once it's paired with the um, adapter, you can then unplug it and use it wirelessly. Obviously, there's no place for a VMU to go, so you're going to still need to put a controller into port B to uh, to access your game saves. But I think it's quite cool that companies are reverse engineering stuff like this mm. for the Dreamcast. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, there's things like the Total Control, which exist. You can plug a PlayStation controller in if you want. You can plug a Saturn controller in if you want. There's also... Yeah. Um, actual controllers for the Dreamcast that just look like PlayStation controllers. They don't have twin sticks, but if you want to play, if you, if you have a burning desire to play on your Dreamcast with a, with a PlayStation controller, then you can. Um, yeah. Just get one of those. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool to, to, as I say, have new technology still like being released for, for the Dreamcast. There's obviously a market for it, otherwise these companies wouldn't, wouldn't do it. I think it's, I think at the, at the current time, I think every, every single month we get more stuff released for Dreamcast. It's quite a, uh, it's uh it's a bit overwhelming, I think, for some people because there's so much coming out and so much hardware and accessories, and um, it's it's great for those of us who love Dreamcast. But I, I I don't understand how the market's that strong. But hey, it must be. I think what it is, and this is just me being a cynic, um, <laughs> is that, and I've mentioned this many times before in the past, so 
please uh, forgive me, but if you put anything to do with the Dreamcast in your product, then suddenly the big game like websites, they will run a story on it, you know, yep. like, like Polygon or Kotaku or all these other big websites. And it's like little sites like ours that just constantly churn out content. It's like we kind of get ignored on it when yep. we put up against those big, like big boys, if you will. Um, oh, yeah. But as soon as they put anything on there about Dreamcast, it's like, boom, it's like top of the readership list, you know. So I think certain companies, again, apologies for sounding cynical, may add Dreamcast functionality or bring out a new Dreamcast product because it gets views. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, you know but the, the, the real reason is, Tom, the real reason is the fact that secretly Sega have got a Dreamcast 2 planned and all this stuff is just trying to test the market just to, to to see where it's going. Guarantee you, Dreamcast Two coming soon. Josh, uh, not Josh. Uh, yeah, Ross told me that. Will there be a, <laughs> Will there be a petition that I can sign? Uh, me, I think Ross is going to start. Me and Ross and John are going to start one. All right, cool. just to get a Dreamcast. Yeah, we're going to start one. Uh, apparently, you can do that, and that's how you get consoles come out. So we're going to do that. Excellent. I'm uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm already down for that. Sign me up. <laughs> Speaking of new things, yes. Again, what a segue. Uh, new games from Josh Prod this time. Uh, we more, have got more new games. More new games. This is the third batch, yep. I believe, of, of new releases, and it is probably the most impressive lineup mm. I've seen so far. Um, Mike, do you have a listener? Do you want to go through the list and tell our listeners what the games are? So um, I haven't got a list, but I, I've memorised them. Uh, I, I hope I get this right now. That's dedication. Um, so we've got we've got um, Battle Crust, I believe, which is a <laughs> shmup. I can't help but laugh when I hear that name. Battle it's an odd name. Crust. It is an odd name. It's it does sound a little bit uh, odd. Yeah, um, it doesn't sound quite. It, does, it sounds unappealing, but it, you know, it looks quite nice. When I was um, a kid, when I was a kid, a crust right was like um, when me me dad or my mum used to make uh, like a stew and put like pastry on top and then bake it in the oven. Yeah. And the crust was what was on top. It wasn't like a full pie case. It was no. just like a top but, of pastry mm. that you could like break off and. Dip into the stew. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For, Every time I hear non- that name, Battlecross, I just think of that. For, for our non-northern um, <laughs> uh, listeners, uh, I, I, I think that's that's more of a, a Lancashire and Yorkshire thing, like a um, hot pot I, type thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. You, I don't. I, I know what it is. But crust for me is just on the edge of bread. I don't. Oh yeah. Good point. Cool, or on the, on the top um, of the water when you've had a bath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> That's put me off, and that game now is going to be inevitably linked to that in my head, <laughs> which is Crust. lovely. Um, so we've got we've got the uh, the the slightly unfortunately named Battle Crust. Um, we've got uh, Okinawa Rush, I believe, yeah, which is a scrolling RPG type beat 'em up. Um, we have um, we have oh dear, I've forgotten already the third oh one. My, which is come not on, fun. come on. Um, oh, give me a hint. Give me a hint. Uh, uh, flashback sequel. Oh yeah, we got uh, we've um, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Fate of Black, mm-hmm. which is a quite an early 3D um, game, the sequel to, to a Flashback in Another World, um, which uh, came out on PC and I think PlayStation didn't it PlayStation, back yeah. in mid nineties. One of the first games I ever played on the on the PC, mm. uh, which is really good. And the fourth game is called The Escapee, yes, which is a um, we'll, we'll go into more detail, I'm sure. But The Escapee is a a flashback style game, let's yeah. say. There's um, 
There's quite a theme running through these releases, isn't there, with the flashback-style gameplay and the, obviously the sequel to Flashback, Fate mm. to Black. Um, I am assured by uh, Philippe, who runs Josh Prod, that there are other games as well that have not been announced yet. Um, okay. But um, we what, don't have... For, what, for the, what, for the next release lot? I'm not sure if it's for the next batch, but certainly oh. after that. So, he wants um, my money. He wants my money, doesn't he? God. Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry, Mike. You're going to get bankrupt. And also, the uh, the guide needs to be updated almost constantly now. Don't. <laughs> it's just, I, I literally, I mean, uh, every time I finish a page, I've got to put another game in the middle of it. I've got to change everything around. I hate designing stuff at the best of times. <laughs> but yeah, these um, these new releases look, uh, look quite interesting. Mm. Um, Battlecross is probably the least uh, interesting from my point of view. Um, but Okinawa Rush looks quite interesting. And I know that a couple of people who have played it have, have raved over it. It got really good reviews as well when it came out on Steam. Yes. Uh, and for those people, again, who don't know what it is, it's like a 2D, really kind of like frenetic beat-em-up. Um, and yeah, Fade to Black is obviously the sequel to Flashback 3D. Uh, mm-hmm. As Mike said earlier, very early uh, 3D game. But I'm, I'm quite intrigued to see how it runs on the Dreamcast because I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be a conversion or a port of the PC version as opposed yes. to the PlayStation version. Yeah. Um, so that'll be quite cool. And yeah, the Escapee, which we've talked about very briefly on a previous episode, it might have been the last episode actually, is Indeed, a yeah. 2D side-on kind of flashback-esque adventure game, which yeah. was released on the Amiga some years ago, but way past the Amiga's kind of heyday. So mm. very few people have played it. And that is also from the same publisher as uh, 4x4 Jam, Invictus yeah. Games. That's right. So... Uh, we've had the pleasure of playing the Escapee. I think have you yeah. finished it? I haven't finished it, no. But you've played it for quite some time, haven't I've, you? I've played it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, so have I. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's as good as Flashback, but it's it's, it's in the same vein. And it's yeah, it's not as it's not as it's not as well balanced. I think as, as Flashback, but it's one of the most stylish games. Mm. Um, one of the most sort of you know, this is this is Blade Runner for the Dreamcast type thing it's just a wonderful design i think um yeah, the game's good fun and it's an enjoyable game to play hmm. but the, the design just it blew i think the it blew me away the design that intro sequence man it's, it's awesome isn't it i i yeah I don't, I don't know if we could mention the intro sequence but um yeah the intro sequence is is <laughs> it's worth buying the game just for the intro sequence see people are gonna think oh it's just an intro sequence but no it's like it's made of like gra- it's like hand-drawn graphics and graphics from yeah. the game like all kind of merged together to make this like really cinematic Yep. experience it's just i couldn't believe it when i first saw it i was just like wow no. this is brilliant you know it's a really really impressive game um in fact all four games uh, even battlecrust um mm. they you know they all look quite impressive to me i know battlecrust will put some people off because oh it's another shmup because you know we've had loads of shmups in the last two years on dreamcast haven't we um i think it's the first one i think isn't it for two years it's I'm probably the first, sure. is it the first one since ghostblade i think so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not as if we're, we're, you know, overwhelmed by shmups at the current time. The thing about uh, Battlecrust is that it, it looks very kind of, obviously the, the aesthetic is meant to be retro style. Yeah. Um, it gives me a very much, um, um, it, it's very reminiscent of like a PC Engine shmups. Yeah. Not very like flashy graphically, no like kind of like specular effects or transparencies, very kind of basic visuals, but mm. actually looks quite fun as well. So, I think that's, I think that's, you know, I, I, I sort of have an issue sometimes when people moan about Dreamcast games, new indie games not looking great. I think sometimes you you know if you stick to what 
works and don't try and push things too much actually the game itself can be far more enjoyable hmm. so you know well this is back to the old mantra don't it? you know graphics do not make the game no although i'll go saying all that of course my favorite indie game on dreamcast is 4x4 uh jam which is uh is good looking as well so yeah yeah Cool. I'm basically I'm basically saying that whatever I've just said then makes no sense, but you know, <laughs> it's more indie games. This all look forward, and I will, Okinawa Rush does look fantastic. It looks stunning. If that's if that's um, if that's what it's going to be like for the Dreamcast version, because I presume the video we've seen is the Steam version. Yes, I don't, I don't think, think there's any actual see. footage of the Dreamcast version yet no. online. But that's four more to add to the list of games already coming out because we've already got you know things like Xeno Crisis and um, oh yes, which looks amazing um i've been following them on twitter they look really really good we still got uh xenocider coming out mm-hmm. uh, we still got um well, several games coming out i, I, I think oh, I've got slave Franco. slave still coming out S- as well slave coming out at some point we've got um elysian shadows at some point coming out hopefully um this, there's lots of games but i think with josh Quad is that you know whereas in the past we've always sort of been waiting for the odd game to be announced and stuff with josh prod we seem to be every few months every four months or so we seem to be getting a, a, another list of games which are really impressive yes brilliant on the topic of xeno crisis i am going to be seeing the developers in the next couple of weeks so that they can take my um they can take delivery if you will of my twin stick so they can incorporate twin stick controls into the dreamcast version Excellent. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be going to see them at their studio soon and hopefully uh, take some footage or some, get some words of wisdom from the developers and, and maybe put an article up on the Dreamcast Junkyard about the Dreamcast version. So, is that something I, I think I think interesting as well is that I, I, sort of a bit slightly off topic here, but um, I've noticed George Pod are, are, are releasing some SNES and Mega Drive games as well mm. quite soon. And one of the games they're releasing is, is Chaos Engine 2 on the Mega Drive. Okay. Um, I think it's on the Mega Drive anyway. Um, Chaos Engine is one of my favourite all-time games, and Xeno Crisis just is completely reminded me of of Chaos Engine. Right. That top-down multi-direction shooter is just—it's going to be amazing. So, looking forward to it then, yeah. I am looking forward to. I, I look forward to everything, Tom. They could they could release bloody Pong on the Dreamcast. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay, speaking of Dreamcast games that are. New-ish, not really. I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, <laughs> some some breaking news, some breaking news for the Dreamcast scene. Uh, Schumer, Schumer, how do you pronounce Schumer. his name? Schumer. I think Schumer, yeah. Schumer. The guy who has been bringing all of the old Dreamcast games back online has worked his magic again, this time on DC Doom. So um, hopefully we'll be, uh, in the next few weeks, we will be playing Doom on Dreamcast, but multiplayer online not only against other people on the Dreamcast, but also on people who are playing on a PC. Uh, I was only made aware of this today, thanks to uh, one of our moderators on the Junkyard Facebook group, and also uh, Sega Nerds writer, Louise. Um, he sent me a message saying, have you seen this? I was like, no, but it looks really interesting. It was on a thread on the Dreamcast talk forum, where Schumer had um, basically recently, very recently, like a day ago, announced that he'd been playing around with Doom, on the Dreamcast and managed to get it communicating with his PC version and that he will be releasing a CDI version of DC Doom soon that has all that functionality built in. So uh, you never know, Mike. In a few weeks' time, we could be fragging each other. That, that I was man, fragging. That, that man is a wizard, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's, uh, I, I played, um, I think it's actually since, it might have been since the last podcast, but I, before I moved house, I played a game of uh, Alien Front Online 
Oh yeah. Over the, over the thing because I I couldn't get um whatever game we were playing that night working. I can't remember what game it was now. A uh, toy racer. I couldn't get toy. Oh racer yes, to that's when I logged on into you and um, didn't we go into a private game to try and get? That's right. Yeah. Alien from um, working and I couldn't get it working. So you see this. That's right. I played yeah, Alien from <laughs> Fantastic game. <laughs> But just the, the entire everything from from what he's done, what Shuma's doing, and, and what they've they've done over there is amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, Dreamcast Live is is doing a lot. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Dreamcast Live, going effortlessly into next topic, um, the update from Kazad, Kazade, Luke, basically Luke Benstead. Um, they've uh, they've recently updated the Dreamcast Live. Oh, sorry, the Dreamcast Now oh, service. Yeah. So Dreamcast yeah. Now um, yeah. to add some new functionality, and make it even more effortlessly cool than it already is mm. um so again for those people who don't know dreamcast now is the uh, thing that you log on to when you're playing online with your uh, dream pie and it just basically comes up uh, it's a website just dreamcast.now.net i think it is yep and uh, it just shows you who's online who's playing what they've added a lot of new functionality to it so you've got things like uh, you can now have your country flag so it shows which country you're playing in uh, ranks player ranks um Last scene where you were last playing. I know that's obviously already been there, but apparently it was quite broken. A um, couple of missing images, so it shows the background image of your profile, shows what game you were playing last. Uh, they've added a few new ones as the, uh, the library gr- uh, grows. Um, so, yeah, just a few kind of like uh, quality of life updates there. And uh, it's nice to see that Dreamcast Now is being uh, expanded and yep. improved. There's now 357 people, I believe who are members of Dreamcast now. Um, so the Dreamcast online community continues to grow. It's obviously not any of the uh, millions that play <laughs> on uh, PS Plus or Nintendo Switch or Xbox Live, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool little community and you know quite friendly. Yep. So yeah, if you've, uh, if you've not yet invested in a DreamPie, this is probably one of the most surprising features that comes with it. You, you know, you've probably heard about all the online gaming that's going on around the, uh, the internet at the moment, but probably not too au fait with uh, Dreamcast now. So if you head to dreamcastlive.net, you can find a guide there that just basically tells you all about what Dreamcast now is, how it works. And basically when you buy a Dream Pie, you automatically get given an account that like ties in with Dreamcast now. So yep. yeah, it's already set up for you. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to create an account or anything like that. When you buy a Dream Pie, it's already set up for you. Well, if you buy one from PC Wizard, from Dreamcast Live anyway. So yeah. Worth checking out. Yes. I'm yet to see the new dashboard because, as I said earlier, and I'm pretty sure you're the same, Mike, we are both in the middle of moving house, so I've not actually been able to get my internet set up yet in the new place, so I've not been online much. So uh, Yeah, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't played on, unfortunately, I haven't played on Dreamcast, uh, on Dreamcast Live for a few weeks, which is, uh, it's hurting my soul, but I will try and get on there this weekend. They played. Um, they've been playing a couple of games I don't actually own as well recently. They played. I think they played Maximum Pool last week. Yep. Um, but I don't have a copy of that unless I burn it. But uh, yeah, don't know. Have you played that? Any good? No, I, I'm still waiting for Spirit Speed 1937 to go online. I know it's not an <laughs> online game, but I'm waiting for it. Um, waiting for Shuma to work his magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm believing if we can if we can start the race in next week, by the time we finish it, we'll be about 75. So uh, <laughs> that's just one lap of one track. Um, <laughs> we should we should do an entire podcast just about Spirit of Speed 1937, a I'm live not, stream. I'm not sure how long we could like keep it going for because I just want to like put my head down the toilet, you know, after See, like, the, one lap. 
see, the funny thing is that I actually quite enjoy playing the Beer Spitters for 1937. Um, I, I, I know that's a shocking revelation, and that's, that's caused everyone just to sort of gasp in, in despair. But I, I do enjoy the odd rubbish game, just to sort of... Um, I think you have to play rubbish games to see how good other games are. Good sometimes. point, very good point. Also, Mike, question for you about Spirit of Spring yes. 1937. I have it in my mind, because I've not played it for that long. Um, well, I've not played it in so long. Um, is there a... Do you have to manually operate the clutch? Um, no. I see, you don't. Because I remember I something really so. weird with the gearbox and like not being able to change gear unless I did something else and I thought maybe there's like I a think, clutch or something. I, I, I think that's more to do with the game being broken. Um, <laughs> I don't. I think. I think some cars only have one gear. Um, mm. It is quite poor. <laughs> it's, it's a shame it's though because it's a really fascinating period of motor racing. It's something that I should be really interested in, like those massive cars with those gigantic engines and like no brakes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There was, <laughs> there was a game. There was a game on a PC around. I'm guessing the same sort of time. Grand Prix Legends, right? Which is sort of. I, I think they went. Bit slightly, slightly more modern, sort of Sterling Moss sort of era, and nineteen thirties onwards, nineteen um, forties onwards. Sorry, um, and that was really, really cool, really, really difficult, and I remember it. So when I when I first played Spirit of Speed nineteen thirty seven, I thought, oh, this is going to be that game. This right. is going to be like really, really cool. And it, it uh, I, I'm a massive, I'm a massive uh, flag nerd. I am basically Sheldon Cooper um, <laughs> for the Dreamcast. I, I would say that now, um, but I, I, I adore flags. Um, and just saying that makes me flags. Very sad. Flags. What, as in, like country flags, or yes, I'm I'm a vex soldierist. I'm 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 somewhat of a. I did not know um, this about you, Mike. Yeah, I am. I'm a I'm a massive geography nerd. Um, my entire life, but I'm a massive uh, a, a flag fan, and um, the gate the, the flags in the game are the correct period flags. So when you actually drive um, in Libya, it's right. the correct flag of I think I presume it's Italy. I'm sure, um, and you have the, the correct Austrian flag. Uh, to me. That nearly made it acceptable. Right. Wow. So it's even, very, very even, got, correct, it's even yeah. got 48 stars on the US flag. Wow. That's pretty, that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, that's pretty impressive attention to detail. I know, that's that, some what I, of the, I know that some of the tracks are um, you know, factually correct that don't obviously exist anymore. No. Um, but yeah, that's, I, didn't, I didn't know there was that, that, that level of uh, detail. I think, it's a fasc- I think it's a fascinating historical piece. I think... Um, I think there's only two games really I can think of on Dreamcast, which are sort of really fascinating historically. There's there's that, and there's a game called um, I'm going to get this completely wrong, but the historical Troy Adventure game on a Japanese version, which is um, I think it's based on a, on a show in Japan where they sort of, from what I gather, they sort of go back in time to the time of Troy and sort of walk around the city. And I played that game for for quite a while. I had no idea what I was doing. It was in Japanese. I've but, never heard uh, of this game, but I yeah. do classics. At college, so I know okay. quite a little bit about um, Troy and, yep. uh, and all that stuff. So that sounds fascinating to me. I, I'd be really interested to see how accurate it is. It's not a great game. Um, <laughs> in fact, in fact, there's not a huge amount of game. Between You're it. not selling it to me, Mike. You're not selling it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not selling it. Um, it's quite cheap, though. In fact, ten pound. Historical Troy Adventure, eleven eighty six BC. I want to say, but if I got that that date right, I'd be amazed. Um, I, I, I'm actually looking so at. Is it based it's... on? Is it based on the Iliad then? Is it? Or is it? I, no, I think it's actually based on an historical. <laughs> I've got the year right as well. It's actually based on, from what I can tell, um, the normal life of people living in Troy around that time. Mm. Um, so you sort of walk around houses and you sort of walk around. It's 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 an odd, an odd sort of game. But um, 
pretty sure it's it was one called of those... something else in like the was it called Ilium or something like that? The city. It's been a long. It's been a long time since I read the, the Iliad, and we've gone. We've suddenly gone very high class. <laughs> <laughs> My classic, which we've is lost uh, like half the. Uh, is, half I'm more, the of, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, more of a Plato fan myself. More of uh-huh. a you know, I, the, the Republic has, is one of the most uh, important books in my life. Um, it, I actually have read. Anyway, that's not a point. Um, we've gone slightly off subject. I was, but, yeah, I was, I was more, I'm more of an Aeschylus fan myself, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've. we've uh, We've uh, we've lost everybody there are, now. There are some, I know we have. Yeah, there are some. There are some really good. I think, weirdly enough, I've said that that's the most two historically important uh, games. I've forgotten about Shenmue, which of course, in itself, is a is a historical um, trip back in time, isn't it? I suppose. Oh yeah, to the eighties. Yeah. You also didn't mention. I thought you were going to mention um, Railroad Tycoon Two, which oh, basically, yeah. you know, tracks the the the, the Industrial Revolution from the it days of Brunel. You know what I mean? And his great engineering works. All the way through to the broken mess that we have today in this country that we uh, attempt to call a railway. <laughs> I, it's quite, good, it's quite, it's quite a good game actually. Where we were talking, it's not bad. Not yeah. Well, yeah, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Not as good as the PC version, but oh. anyway, let's move away from historical facts and the uh, industrial revolution. That's to, next episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's next episode. Yeah, um, let's move on very uh, briefly. Um, sidestep into Tony Hawk, the Birdman. Uh, this is the news that there is a new book coming out, uh, which details all of the Tony Hawk games, including our beloved Dreamcast versions. Uh, this book uh, is actually available as of, well, in about three days' time, because I think it's officially released today on the 26th of March, 2018, but uh, it's not actually available yet on Amazon because it's not updated. And the book is written by a guy called Tony, sorry, Trevor Esposito, who is known as the Slate Man. Apparently he's quite well known within the Tony Hawk's fandom circle. Um, this book is called Tony Hawk's Gaming Domination, and it's the result of about a year and a half's work uh, on behalf of Trevor, who has um, basically collated all the information that he can find and that he knows on the Tony Hawk franchise and this book is 200 plus pages documenting every single game in the franchise, beta versions, interviews with developers, uh, differences between versions, visual comparisons. It looks amazing. And the yeah. reason I bring it up here is because there are several very detailed chapters on the Dreamcast versions, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. And he also shared with me his thoughts on the reasons behind the cancellation or rather the basically the, the non-start of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 for the Dreamcast. Uh, I will be putting up an article on the Dreamcast Junkard about this in the very near future, so keep your eyes peeled on the on the main blog. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out because I've seen the book, I've seen um, it's full colour. It, it, the amount of detail it goes into is absolutely unbelievable. And for someone to put that amount of effort into a, such a niche topic, Tony yeah. Hawk games... Is uh, commendable as someone who pours a ridiculous amount of time, as you do, Mike, into a very niche subject, i.e., the Dreamcast. Yep. Um, I can totally appreciate the amount of effort and work that he's put in, and mm. I, for one, shall be purchasing a copy. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I think Tony Hawk's Two is a game, especially Tony Hawk's Two, is a game we don't mention enough on this podcast. I don't think we ever have. No, it's it's, it's probably probably the most overlooked game when it comes to best Dreamcast games, whereas most of us, or I'm talking to myself, but we, that was probably my favourite game at the time mm. on Dreamcast. 
I love Tony Hawk's too. Yeah, I mean, um, you ask any gamer who played Tony Hawk, and they're like, yeah, of course. Even if it's only just one, I bet, yeah. you, I bet you, the Tony Hawk franchise is probably one of the most played games in the whole of gaming. Because yeah. you just say to someone, "Have you ever played Tony Hawk?" And they're like, "Well, obviously not everybody, but the vast majority of people will have played a Tony Hawk game, even if oh, it's yeah. one of like the shit ones that were on like the Xbox or the 360." Well, the, the weird thing as well, because obviously I was, I used to write for a, for a punk fanzine back in the, the early two thousands. And, Mate, um, you're full of you're full of surprises tonight. You've told me two facts now. You love <laughs> flags, and you used to write for a punk magazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, for punk fanzine. Fancy. And um, we, uh, we, I, I used to go to hundreds of gigs a year, and uh, a lot of the people who used to go to the to the punk gigs would get a lot of people would actually have only got into the music because of Tony Hawk's. Yeah, I can totally um, see that. Yeah, a lot of bands, as a, a band called Consumed, who I, I mentioned on the podcast before, because they they appear one of the songs on um, Propeller Arena. Yes, but um, they were on one of Tony Hawk's games, and people would go to the gigs to see Consumed because they've seen uh, because they played them on Tony Hawk's. They've never been to a punk gig in their lives, which is really, really cool. Um, it, it sort of gave us a reburgeoning scene at the time. There was a lot of people going to a very, very, again, another very niche subject. Um, but Tony Hawk's was a massive part of that. I, I, I haven't skated for, for years anyway, but all that kind of subject matter made everything... I know, it, it, was, it, was, it was very much of its time. Mm-hmm. I think now Tony Hawk's, the last one was a bit of a disaster. Oh, Tony Hawk's Skater 5. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think actually looking back, I think a Tony Hawk's game, apart from the latest generation, uh, Tony Hawk's 2 was one of the games I, I really wanted, or Tony Hawk's was one of the games I really wanted on the Dreamcast. Mm. Um, when I got a PS2, Tony Hawk's 3 was a game which swung me, and Tony Hawk's Project 8 was the first game I bought on my Xbox 360. Um, I, I, I love Tony Hawk's games. Uh, two questions. The first one being, do you class Zebrahead as punk? Yes. Excellent. I've seen Zebrahead many times. Excellent. Just thought I'd uh, ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a similar background with Tony Hawk to you. I mean, I didn't play it on the PlayStation because I didn't have one. But no. um, not when the game was out. I had one later. But uh, the first, my first exposure to Tony Hawk was on the Dreamcast. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. And then when I got a GameCube, one of the first games, or rather, no, not one of the first games, but the first Tony Hawk game I got for that was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Yeah. And um, yeah, like yourself, I've gone on and owned, you know, probably the vast majority of Tony Hawk games. Yep. So I've played, you know, a lot of them. Uh, so yeah, this book is coming out soon. It should be out by the time this goes out anyway. The book is called, once again, Tony Hawk's Gaming Domination, and it's from Trevor Esposito. And he also uh, is the founder of the very popular Tony Hawk website, Planet Tony Hawk. So, uh, yeah, please check that out if you get the chance. And uh, check out the Dreamcast section because I've seen it and it's very good and very in-depth. Cool. Yes, Mike. Very cool. Right, um, Mike, we've come to that awkward part of the podcast where I ask yeah. you if you've got anything else you would like to talk about. Um, well, I was going to talk about uh, 17th century flags of the Ottoman Empire. Um, I'm all ears, mate. Go for it. I'm all ears. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure oh, you can well. say that as well. Damn it. <laughs> 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 no, no I, we'll, say, I, uh, we'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> uh, no, I, I am. Uh, I think I think that rounds up this week pretty nicely. Yeah, cool. Okay, then. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me uh, this evening, Mike, uh, and thank you to our listeners as well for tuning in or downloading this podcast wherever you may be listening to it. Uh, I'd like to give a couple of shout outs. I want to give a mention to the guy who runs our YouTube channel, James Jarvis. He's been uploading quite a lot of new content there, so go and check out the Dreamcast Junkyard on YouTube. If you type Dreamcast into the search bar on 
YouTube, the first thing that comes up is Dreamcast Guy. We need to get above Dreamcast Guy. He's a friend of the podcast, a friend of the yes. pod, friend of the show. He's going to be on a, a, a new episode in the near future. I've been speaking oh, to excellent. him on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we need to get the Dreamcast Junkyard above Dreamcast Guy. Right, That's your job, listener, for the next month or so, or six months before we get the next episode out. <laughs> no. uh, so yeah check, out our, yeah, check out our YouTube channel. Um, Mike, you can be found on social media at... Uh, I can be found at uh, Twitter on Twitter at uh, space turnip. That's space underscore turnip. Yeah, Mike, I, I need to ask what is the what is the what is the turnip thing all about with your? Uh... So, so um, when I first went online and played um, Jedi Knight back in nineteen ninety eight, I think it was nineteen ninety nine. I wanted a game a handle, um, and I didn't have one at all. Um, I went to a random name uh, generator, which gave me the, the name Aquatic Raccoon. But ra- rather than going for Aquatic Raccoon, um, I called myself after the name of um, an, a space-dwelling uh, alien in Star Trek Next Generation called Gumtu, um, who I always refer to as a space turnip. Wow. That's quite the uh, origin story. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I've been saying that story for so long, I don't even remember if that's true or not. I think I just literally picked up random two random words. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, that's what I think I named after. Fantastic. Well, I would name. I would ask you what you name your name after, but you name yourself after yourself. So yeah, it's Tom, and then yeah. my middle name is Lee, and then my surname begins with C, so it's <laughs> Tom Lee C. So yeah, I'm on Twitter at Tom Lee C. We can be found as a collective on Twitter at the DC Junkyard on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Dreamcast Junkyard. Also groups forward slash the Dreamcast Junkyard on Facebook. Um, one last thing, I just want to give a very small plug and mention to was the interview we did with Bernie Stoller recently, yes. which was fantastic. I want to give a massive thanks to uh, Jordan, who works at Zoom Platform, for putting me in touch with Bernie, and also to Bernie as well. He's probably not listening to this, probably never will, but such a nice bloke. And to be conversing with the former president of Save America via email, like sort of in a conversational style, was just kind of surreal, really, because I can remember being stood in Electronics Boutique picking up my first Dreamcast. Yep. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm speaking to the guy who basically came up with the idea of the Dreamcast. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit surreal, really. So, yeah, yes. thanks to Bernie and thanks to Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I think that will do it for this particular episode. Uh, thanks very much. Sorry. Thanks very much for listening. And we will see you on the next podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. We Please stop this disc now, 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 now.